Welcome to Echo Online Service. We are pumped that you are joining us today. This is, if this is your first time watching, hello. How are you? Welcome, bienvenidos. Be sure to comment and introduce yourself. We would love to know your name. Today, your we are in our Hear Us Roar series. We love the power of story. Yeah. And we are so excited to share with you today. Mm -hmm. Let's talk generosity for a minute. God wants us to live life to the full. And this includes our finances. When we trust God with our tithe, the first 10%, when we make smart financial decisions, and when we live generously, God blesses it. God provides. So test him this week. Be outrageously generous and see what happens. I'm telling you, and better yet, the Bible tells you Amen. that he will bless you. We have all sorts of ways to give. Sure you do. can head to our website, mm -hmm. text any amount to 84321, or use that wonderful Church Center app. It is wonderful, isn't it's it? It's so convenient. Hey, did you know that we meet on Sundays in person? Say what? We do at the castle. Let's go. Free parking. Yes. Free coffee. Sign me up. Amazing kids ministry. Let's do it. Humble brag. You should come. Should they come? Oh. Heck yes. You should totally come. But in all seriousness, we would love to see you. But if you are just not ready, that is okay. Let us know you're out there and watching. We want to connect with you. Thanks again for joining us. We love having you be a part of Echo Fam. Mm -hmm. We hope you enjoy Echo Online service today. You better do it.
this morning for what you've done. You hold every victory, Lord Jesus. Thank you for taking over hell, Lord Jesus. Death could not hold you. We love you, Father. We just exalt you this morning. Amen.
Father, that truth alone, I just want to speak to the, your people this morning that if you don't feel like you're of value or worth anything, that is a lie. Because Jesus would have died on the cross even if it was only for you. Father, we thank you so much for what you did, for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for your resurrection power to raise him from the dead, Father, so we can celebrate this morning that we have salvation in Jesus' name. Father, this morning, I just pray and ask for anybody in this room, whether they're a new believer or an old believer, Father, you would move and touch our hearts. Show us who we really are in your name, Jesus, that we have worth, and that one day you will say, good job, my good and faithful servant. Oh, Lord, I can't wait for that day. Father, I just want to take this moment to exalt your heavenly name. There's this old song called, I Exalt Thee. I'm going to invite you guys to sing it with me. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I to somebody that you haven't met yet and then you go ahead and take a seat.
heaven on earth. Some, <laughs> Some may call it the promised land. Mm. And he just gave me uh, coordinates in MapQuest, so mm. I don't know where we're going. Just somewhere. Some of you may think it's Israel. It starts with an I. <laughs> but it's Iowa. <laughs> Super close. Oh, Andy. Mm. We are in Maquaquita, Maquatica. I'm not sure how you say it. We're in Iowa, if you can believe it. We are going through undulating roads up and down different elevations. Look at that. Do you think we could get a little closer? Or no? Dude. Just take a look. Take a look over. Take a look over. But just don't slip. There we go. This is called a window cake. Okay. And I'm not going in. I'm not going to talk too loud. I, was, I mean, Bear Grylls would, would weigh the options, right? We could stay here and eat bat poop and survive for days. Or go find a more hospitable landing zone. I think we should move on. So I called you two days ago. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, let's go on a road trip and have a conversation where we could just jump in the car and go and explore. And we found this place. What is it called? The Driftless Area. The Driftless Area. Driftless Area. The Driftless. Driftless. It is, as we found out, um, one of the few places in the United States that has been untouched by glaciers. So as things drifted around for miles and miles and flattened the lands, killed almost everything, this place was left untouched. And of all places, in eastern Iowa. Eastern. <laughs> Heaven, as we called it earlier. And why I invited you is, number one, you're one of my friends that when I call on Monday and say, let's go on an adventure, you're one of those guys that just might. <laughs> and then uh, the second thing is uh, just your story. And as, as you've kind of thought about this driftless area you've done some research now that we're here um yeah how does this relate to your life i i don't think there's a chance that i stumbled on this when we were looking for a place to go and i think of my story i think of um you know we talked about before i have not faced a great tragedy um obstacle in my life mm -hmm. but I relate to being drifting. And that to me resonates because we don't spend much time in that driftless zone. Yep. And I think that's what that's what drew both of us here. Mm -hmm. It's something where we were talking before about big, massive glaciers. Just the idea of, you know, they are all encompassing, they're all around us, yep. and they are they're slow moving, and you may you may not even see them moving, but they are moving and they are drifting away from a spot in your life yeah. that is there and it may be small you may not even know what's there mm -hmm. <laughs> you may have to stumble upon it mm -hmm. and when you get there it can feel very uncomfortable at first um, but it's there it's there <laughs>
it's there. You have to, you have to spend time in it. We've all been drifting. In fact, we, we've just kind of joined into the narrative of humanity. From the beginning of time, we have drifted eastward. God created the heavens and earth and Adam and Eve, and because of their decisions, they started drifting eastward. And that's kind of just what we've joined. It's just the natural progression. It's the move away from God. See, the drift is real and the drift is subtle. And honestly, the drift is effective. I think it'd be illustrated in the space that is one of my special places that I like going, and that's going to the ocean. Any other people that love the ocean? And if you've ever been in the ocean and you spend some time, it's, it's just a blast, right? And if, if the waves are really big and the wind and, and the tides are strong, you will start in one space and one place and then a quarter mile down or a half mile down, you'll eventually end up and you didn't even know you moved to that space. So that's the kind of life we live. A lot of times we can just drift through life. And today I want to open up to John chapter 11, and I want to talk about this man named Lazarus. I want to make a few observations before I tell you the story about Lazarus. Number, number one uh, is we see that Lazarus was a friend to Jesus. He was Jesus's friend. And the other thing we know is that Lazarus was brothers to Mary and Martha. And my last observation is this, is we cannot find anything else about Lazarus anywhere in scripture, which makes me speculate. And it makes me kind of read this story in a different way that, that Lazarus, he, he, it's, it's one of the most epic stories and epic miracles that Jesus does here on earth, right? That is written in scripture. And yet we don't know anything else about Lazarus. All we know is that he is a friend. We don't know anything before and we don't know anything after. And the speculation, and in my opinion, I wanna suggest this one idea that Lazarus was a friend, but yet he was not a follower of Jesus. And I think some of us, we've walked into this space and man, Jesus is in our pocket, right? When we need him, we call upon him. Jesus is our friend and we grew up in the church and we, we have this lovely feeling when we think about Jesus and today is all about moving away from the drifting zone and into a driftless center where Jesus resides. And that place is where God calls us to follow him. So now let's unpack this story about Lazarus. Okay, so what we need to know about this is Lazarus has fallen sick at the beginning of John chapter 11 and Jesus has been notified, ding, by Mary and Martha. And they say, your friend is sick. And Jesus ignores that notification. I know you all ignore those text messages you get. I, you know, this is the last service, so I can speak as long as I want today. So that's how it works. So I digress, digress. How many of you have a cell phone and you're the person that when you get a, a text message, you click on that notification like right away? How many of you are the better people in the world that don't click on the notification so you don't ever forget that you got that notification so you eventually text them back? Y'all know what I'm saying? Okay, none of us. So, okay. 
<laughs> We've all fallen short. But Jesus has gotten this notification. This is Easter content right there, 101. Um, none of you, you guys are not going to remember anything I speak about except the notification. Um, Jesus gets this notification that his friend is sick and he chooses not to go. In fact, he stays a couple more days in the city, just a couple cities away, and he continues to do his work. And then eventually he looks at his disciples and he says something like, hey, my friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He's fallen asleep. And his disciples interrupt at that point and say, okay, what do you mean they've fallen asleep? We're going to go see Lazarus in Jerusalem or near Jerusalem because he's fallen asleep. You know that your life is at risk if you go back to Jerusalem. And Jesus is like, yeah, I I know that, but you don't really get what's going on. Lazarus is not, he hasn't just fallen asleep. He is now dead. Lazarus is dead. And because of that, uh, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to risk my life. and, and, And it's actually for your sake. And I'm glad I wasn't there so that you might believe but let us now go to him. So he picks up his entourage, he picks up his disciples and he starts heading towards Jerusalem. And when he arrives, there's a funeral in process. There are people mourning. It's a heavy state in that city because their friend, their family, their brother, right, has died. And what Jesus ends up running into is Martha. Martha, when he heard Jesus was coming, Martha met Jesus kind of on the peripheral of the city. And what I find absolutely fascinating, and I want you to hear this terminology, it says Martha comes to Jesus. Martha comes to Jesus. And she comes to Jesus with her doubts. She comes to Jesus with her disappointments. And and there are no secrets here. She's just being real. And she says to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. See, when we come to Jesus, Jesus isn't asking for a fake version of self. He wants you to come in with sincerity and bring those doubts, bring those disappointments. But it is very important that we come to Jesus. See, now I think that's the difference between Martha and Lazarus. I believe a friend will sit back and have their excuses, have their distraction, have their reasons for not making the trek, and they will never come to Jesus. But Martha, what does she do as a follower of Jesus? She comes to Jesus. And Jesus looks at her and says, "Uh, you know, your brother will rise again. And how many are thankful for this scripture as we celebrate this day? I am the resurrection and life. And whoever trusts in me will live even if he dies. And Martha's like, so I get it, you know, whatever. And she sneaks away and she goes and gets Mary. And Mary, it's the same type of scene. Mary, I can just imagine, comes with with disappointment and doubt and maybe even some hesitation. And she's sitting there and maybe she was a little bit more, more emotional. And her entourage that were mourning with her came along. And Jesus, in I think one of the most profound portions of scripture, is documented, documented uh, saying, it says this, it says, Jesus was deeply moved. And every Sunday school, uh, young Sunday school, uh, schooler's favorite verse, it says, Jesus wept. 
Because even in that doubt, even in that disappointment, Jesus understands. And Jesus senses that there needs to be something, there needs to be something that changes. And Jesus looks at Mary and Martha and the entourage and says, okay, now let's go to the grave. And, and they follow Jesus to the grave. And then Jesus makes this really uh, illogical statement. He says, roll that stone away. And this is where Mary and Martha and the crowd comes in and they start losing, you know, they start using their logic. They start using reason. And they're like, but, but Jesus, do you understand that there's going to be a stench? Do you realize Lazarus is dead, dead? He gone. And there's a smell that comes with it. And I can just tell you this, Jesus isn't afraid of your stench. Jesus isn't afraid of your mistakes. As Dexter said already, Jesus didn't come here to die for your sins. He came to die for you as you are. And so Jesus instructs his people, roll away the tomb, and he does. And I think... The critical point and, and the crux of this story, Jesus cries out in a loud voice and he says, Lazarus, come out. And the next epic moment is the dead man actually comes out. And I just have to interrupt here because just as Martha had come to Jesus, just had Mary had just had Mary had come to Jesus, the same way now Lazarus, who did not come to Jesus, is now once dead, now alive, and he is coming to Jesus. And Jesus' first statement after that is this: and now take off your grave clothes. Take off the linens that cover your face. And I sense that there are some people in here, when you, walk, when you walked in here, you're wearing your Sunday best, but you've actually walked in here with filthy rags. And today is the day that Jesus is calling you by name. And today is the day you walk away from the drifting places of your life and you walk into a relationship where Jesus is a rock and he's unmovable, and you begin to allow him to transform you from the inside out. See, I believe this is where Jesus turns his friend into a follower. Jesus calls us out, but he calls us to come to him. Jesus said, take off the, the grave clothes and, and let him go. And, and I think as we walk in here, some of us, we've ca we carry in and we subscribe and we, we pay rent to a few ideas that really live in the drifting type of zone. And, and that's really, we subscribe to this American dream and, and we subscribe to our own comfort. We, we pay rent to our own ambitions and we carry unforgiveness and, and we let hate begin to just brew with, with in and those are the places that guarantee that we stay in the grave we stay into the tomb we stay into this place of of drifting but today is the day that God is saying your name and he's calling you saying leave those things and come follow me today is the day we let our grave clothes fall to the ground what I love about this story is I believe it's a, a, 
It's a story that begins to shadow something in the future. And just in a few short verses, we find Jesus has willingly gone to the cross, as you know the story. And then he is placed in the grave. And now Mary is standing outside of the tomb crying, crying just like Jesus was weeping at the tomb and, and, and feeling all the feels and all the emotions and understanding people's doubts, understanding people's disappointments. And now Mary herself is feeling that. And it says this, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white and seated where Jesus's body had been one at the head and the other at the foot. And then, the, and then she asked, or they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she responded, they have taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And then he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking that she or that he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go get him. And then Jesus, just as he did for Lazarus and just as he's done for many of us in this room, looks at Mary and calls out her name. And then she sees it, she hears it. And I believe this is the transformational moment in all of our life is as we have submitted to these drifting ideas, as we just kind of do life as normal, we can just easily slip back into that slippery slope and then walk into echo at 2021 and realize that we're not exactly where we should be. But today is an invitation, an invitation and a call by your name to step back in to what God has for you. Today is an inv invitation to step out of the driftless zone and step into a place that is unmovable. First Corinthians 15, 54 through 58 says this, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Come on, everybody say amen for King James Version. I kind of like the word thy. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God, which gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren and sister, be steadfast and unmovable. Be steadfast and unmovable. God is calling us out. He called Lazarus out of that grave because Jesus himself knew he would defeat the grave. He's calling us to defeat the drift in our life and to defy it. Now, some of you are like, man, what's the drift, man? You're so figurative. It's all going over my head. Can you help me a little bit? Yeah, let me define the drift. The drift is our attempt to find life in a selective cave or tomb that promises premature death. The drift only promises one thing, and that is premature death. And that's where Lazarus was. I believe Lazarus had a difficulty moving from a friend to follower because 
Quite possibly, he just allowed some chains and some of those grave clothes just to stay on just long enough. And today, I think if, if this community and us as individuals would, would begin to maybe expose and take off some of the grave clothes that we walked in here with, I believe we would begin to see transformation in our life. And some of those things we need to take off. And let me just tell you three of them. Number one, I believe we need to eliminate distraction. So many of us, we've grown, grown accustomed to swiping left and swiping up and swiping down and swiping right and becoming so distracted by our own agenda and our and ambition and our ideas of what our life should be that, that, that when Jesus is calling our name, it's just so hard to hear. I believe Lazarus illustrates that. He has fallen asleep. He's been distracted by his own illness. But even in our sickness, God is calling us to his side. When you get sick, it's not time for you to just, I believe, sit back and and just take what has been given to you. But it's a moment to step up and to follow Jesus even more. It's time to eliminate some distraction. The second thing we need to do, and this is really good, is we need to begin to doubt our doubts. Our doubts are okay. Let's come to Jesus. But when we come to Jesus and we say things like, if you had been here, if you did this, like it's okay to do that, but let's not allow those doubts to control the narrative. Let's transition and allow us to begin to doubt those doubts and let God flip the script. I believe that when we have a word like if, in our sentences, like if you had been there, Jesus, we need to turn those words into, okay, God, this is what happened. But what now? Let's start doubting our doubts. And then lastly, we need to reduce our and your deductions. A deduction is an assumed assumed conclusion led by your own logic. And man, this is where the stench happens. Because it is so easy to begin to just speak into and believe into the narrative of our mind. And, and, and that mind can be really, and our thoughts can be turned into logic. It can turn into a conclusion. And the conclusion is immovable. And today is the day that we begin to reduce the wall that we have built up within our minds and into the narrative of our stories or into the way that we think and allow God to take that grave clothes off and to call us by name and bring us into new life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. My gosh. Okay, I'm done. We need to let faith begin to lead our logic. And really, that's the story of Mark. We've had the privilege to sit back and get to know Mark and, and to hear his story and to see his transformation as the Lord is beginning to do a work in him. He illustrates a life that was okay being in the drift because he simply didn't know he was there. But then the Lord called him by name and he stepped into a new life. And that's what I'm praying. And that's what I'm hoping for all of us in this echo community. Let's watch the rest of Mark's story. In, in terms of spiritually, I had no footing. If anything, I was, I was running away from it. Um, yeah, and even, you know, we grew up with it, went to, a, went to a family church, and you'd think that would be enough, but it just, it was always something that I, I ran away from, I pushed against, but there was always, uh, 
always something I wanted, as odd as that sounds. And I realized that when I would, you know, had a, uh, a, good, a good friend that <laughs> really, um, I guess, in back then I would say was really into Jesus, <laughs> which was, a, at the time for me, was a five-letter word. At the same time, he was a guy that I really admired. I loved his heart, and I always wanted to be around him. And I couldn't put the two pieces together. You know, why, why, why does he need more than, why does he need more? Like he has enough, he has a, he himself has a good family. He has a, he has a happy heart. He lives, he lives minimally. He, he doesn't seek extra. And he put Jesus at the center of, center of everything. It didn't make any sense to me. So I kind of had this weird struggle where I'd run across people that had Jesus at the center of their life that I really liked. I really enjoyed being around. But for some reason, again, that felt like a five-letter word. And I would, I would almost recoil and didn't know why I was recoiling. My cave was a, I think about it now, like a really cynical place where it was always easy just to throw stones and never, never participate. So when it came to like stepping out of that, it just, it just, you know, all those things I learned, all the things we all learn, right, as we start drifting away from this place, as we grow up, kind of realized I was carrying a lot of that stuff with me when it came to like the internal critic, the cynic, when it came to when it came to that five-letter word, <laughs> just, I just asked myself, why? Why are you pushing against this? Um, and I didn't have an answer. I didn't have a reason. For a long time, I thought it was, you know, it's just not factual. It's just not realistic. It's not scientific. So when I think back to that five-letter word, Jesus, what that meant for me before and what it means for me now. I realize now that hesitancy in terms of what Jesus meant before, that was, I think that's a fear of letting go of control. And it, again, I think that's only, that's a natural human thing that we want to control as much as we can around us. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say that you know, my fears in terms of ever since I, you know, from a young age, I had always wanted to control what was going to happen to me after I died. But I didn't get the answer I wanted to out of that. And so because of that, I think I attached, I attached Jesus to that. I attached the entire Christian religion to that. I found faults in it. You find, you find evils anywhere if you look hard enough. And I found evils and frustrations and anger really in the, in the religion that we've built up as Christianity. So when I think back to, again, Lazarus coming back, I think we all have the potential to come back from wherever we are, from however far we've drifted away. And again, it's easy because the drift is not fast. It can be very slow. And and for me, um, again, it was over the course of decades that I just drifted away from, from where I really 
really truly now believe I should. I think where we all want to be, where we all should be. This life is not about the means. It's about having God at the center of it. That's what he intended and I, I truly believe that. I hope that I can carry that every day with me and I can carry that right in front of me for everyone to see, not just me. Because I think we're called to do that. We're not called to go through life quietly and put Jesus in our pocket and only talk about him with other people that have Jesus in their pocket. It's, hey, this is who I am and I know who I am. And I'm thankful for it. I'm not gonna hide that anymore. I wanna be present as a, as a husband, as a father, as a, as a leader in their lives. I think that that's what they need. And I avoided it for a long time because I didn't have a, I didn't have a foundation. I was drifting. I was going from cave to cave and I would see them and they were there and I loved them certainly, but I wasn't able to love them like I can when I put Christ at the center. <laughs> That's an amazing thing that you can give to your family. Close your eyes. Just bow your heads. As a posture of receiving, we just put your hands on your laps, facing palm up. Brothers and sisters, be steadfast and unmovable. It's not a question, it's a statement. Therefore, it is a place that exists. And some of you, as Mark said, you feel like you've drifted so far away. But the truth is, it's not too far. It's not too late. There is a new life waiting for you. For some of you who walked into this space and man, Mark's comment about control. You're like, yeah, that's it. The driftless space it has an illusion of control. The truth is you have none. Some of us, we've walked into this place and, and yet Jesus, he fits in our pocket. But today is the day that we realize that Jesus doesn't fit in our pocket. We're supposed to fit in his. 
Some of us, we've come in here with disappointment. We've come in here with distraction. We've come in here with our own deduction. And today is the day that we submit those things at Jesus's feet as if they are grave clothes. And we say, Jesus, we're ready to move on from a friend and we want to become your follower. Jesus is calling you by name. Jesus is inviting you to move away from the drifting spaces of your life into the driftless, unmovable, steadfast place of peace that he has created for you. But it all starts with surrender. Jesus has come this far and now he's calling you by name and he wants to redeem your past, but he wants to prepare your future. And today on a special day like today, on our table, It's a simple question. And that question is, is will you follow me? Jesus, all across this room, I just, I pray that, that without, you know, beyond my words, beyond Mark's words, be, beyond any kind of words that we have sung, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would be present here today and that you would work on hearts and minds. God, I sense there are people that came into this space. They came into this service because of someone else's faith. But today is the day that you make their faith alive. Like you did in Mark's, you'll do in ours. God, today is the day of rescue. Today is the day of the process of restoration begins. And today is the day that God, you are working on us that we might repeat the process that's done and shown in us. In Jesus name, amen. Here at Echo, we pray a prayer every week because it reminds us that we cannot do life alone. Y'all know what I'm saying? And that we need Jesus. And we refuse Jesus, we refuse putting Jesus in our pocket. And instead we choose to follow him. We just understand that there are people that walked into this space and you feel far from God. You feel like you've drifted too far. And today is the day that Jesus is saying, no, that's wrong. It's time to come home. <laughs> come on, come on, it's time to come home. And I wanna ask the Echo Church, would you just stand up across this room and can we make this our prayer? Can we make this our creed? Can we make this our way of life as we once again submit our life to God? Let's pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, can we celebrate with those that just walked out of the grave? Come on, let's lift up your voices. Let's honor God. Let's praise God today. There's this thing in my voice. 
over three years, the disciples hung out with Jesus like every day. And they were right next to him and they were in relationship with him. They, they were spectators to all the most incredible miracles. And you know what's funny? They still fought about little things. They still got lost along the way and they still worried about unimportant things. And then you know what happened? They had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus and that changed everything. It wasn't just being in proximity. It wasn't, I love when Mark talked about, I grew up going to my family church. It's not about proximity to the church. It's not about proximity to the pastors. It's not about things like that. It's about encountering the resurrected Jesus. So let's do this. And I know Andy already did this, but we celebrate people a lot when they make that decision. Let's celebrate some people who prayed for the first first time today, had that encounter 